This is No Stoplights with Ken Ard. You found us again, No Stoplights. I want to thank our sponsors, Mickey Fins, Marlboro PD Electric, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. We, we, we discuss internally. I mean, I'll let you into our highly sophisticated and uh, technologically advanced world. We, we discuss with ourselves about whether to look at the camera or whether to just act as we, you know, do on a radio show. We host a radio show here, uh, Wake Up Carolina. We do a podcast, No Stoplights. Um, we're vertically integrated media moguls is what we are. Um, but but I, t- I tend, my personality, but everybody's different. Look at the broad guy and read the teleprompter. I'm, you know, a, um, I'm a presidential candidate or a political figure reading a teleprompter, or I'm a, um, you know, a, 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 a spokesperson for a particular product or good I just think it seems to resonate and relate better when it's real, when it appears to be authentic, when we're plundering around for paperwork or, you know, trying to find something to read or, or quote or, 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 you know, some statistic that we think is, is important. So um, instead of looking at the uh, end of the camera and reading the teleprompter, of which we don't have, we'll, um, we'll, we'll kind of go down the road of acting as if you aren't even here. We hope you are but we'll act as if uh, you aren't even here. I want to thank you once again for joining the Stoplights. We've discussed, I mean, I've made the comment over and over and over again that we're going to always have people with varying beliefs about government. And, um, I mean, if you trust government, it's with a V. If you don't trust government, it's normally with a B. Government, a damn government is doing this or the government's doing that. Um and that's fine. I mean, th- th- those those debates are essential. They're critical. They're they're very often consequential. You've got um, you know this perpetual and ongoing debate about uh, Jeffersonian government, Hamiltonian government that goes to our founding. I mean, it really goes all the way back to the beginning of the American experience and how we formed this very um, unique system of government at the time. Not so unique um, today. Unique very much at the time of monarchs and dictators and kings and and out came a um an attempt for govern for man to govern fellow man uh, with the casting and counting of that ballot but so there's always going to be um disagreements that there there's going to be smart people believe certain things smart people believe different things dumb people like me believe certain things and then dumb people like some of you believe uh, believe other things and, and we debate, we, we have these conversations and at times disagreements and at times fairly intense disagreements about, you know, education or infrastructure or uh, entitlements, you know, should we raise the minimum age of eligibility for social security and Medicare answers? Yes, of course we should, but some don't buy into that. And we have these, these philosophical fundamental disagreements about government and what we should or should not do as we move forward. But very often there is an issue that, or two or three, that to me transcend the political moment. In other words, they are so critical to where we are and what we decide to do that they, they exceed or, or the, they become more necessary to have a debate about than, than some of the others. Once again, uh, you ask 10 people how much money we need to spend on infrastructure. You'll probably get 10 different, different answers. Uh, 
what, what do we do to revamp education, higher education, K, K through 12? I hope we never get to a place where we censor, and that's a big issue in America today. The right believes, um, I'm not talking about right as in I know I'm right and you're wrong. I'm talking about the political right believes that um, the media and academia have been so monopolized by kind of a liberal mindset, they don't get a fair shake. They're, they're, um, the majority of historians are liberal. The majority of, of media members are liberal. Therefore, you don't kind of get the, um, you know, your opinion doesn't get the, uh, the y- your opinion doesn't get considered as seriously as you believe your opinion should um, get serious. But, but, but every now and then, there, there's an issue two or three that I think are so monumental that you kind of put the others on the back burner. It, education matters. Infrastructure matters. Um, entitlements certainly matter. And what we do about that. But but I think today in America we're having a uh, you know a, a most interesting debate. Or really and truly, I guess the problem in America I'm arguing is we have a lack of debate. We're not allowing all sides to be heard when it comes to the, these pivotal issues in American uh, politics, culture, history, society. And, and one is energy. Um, you know, do we need energy? Of course we do. Uh, what sort of energy? Who provides that energy? Well, there's a debate to be had there. But but I believe as a, we're talking about Hamilton, I'm a Jeffersonian. I mean, I would be a libertarian-leaning Jeffersonian. That makes me not very fond of government. It's in my bones. It's where I come from. My father started a business. Naturally, you would be, or you would expect me to be inclined to not be as trusting of government, not sympathetic to government. I understand government. I, I served in government for many, many years at a local and, and a state level. So I'm not some guy that doesn't, uh, you know, the nature of government is not completely oblivious to my, to my understanding. But, but I want to go to energy for a second, because I think you, you got to be careful here to offer up more opinion than you can defend. Um, the world seems to do a lot of that now. I know for a fact, this is what we need to do. Um, I think one of the greatest examples of human intelligence is to be skeptical of one's own opinion. I mean, I really believe that. One of the great demonstrators of how intelligent a person is is to know that they need to have a high degree of skepticism about what opinion they hold about what particular issue. But energy is something that, you know, we can't can't operate our nation or our, our society, our economy, without dependable, reliable, affordable energy. That's a big deal. That's a, um, I mean, I'll give you another characterization. It's a big-ass deal. Uh, and, and when you say, you know, you throw that descriptive in, I mean, it, it kind of raises the profile and severity of, of the intensity of the conversation. So, so when we talk about energy, what we're talking about a, I mean, it, it really goes all the way back to what some believe, and, and, I, and you know, we, we had someone use the word nut. I want to be respectful and say zealots. But there are actually people out there who believe that the, the fate of the planet rests in our hands, and if we don't make some pretty significant decisions in the next 6, 8, 10 years, the, the planet Earth will cease to exist as we know it. I, I don't buy that. I mean, that, that's a very zealous view of climate change to have. I, I accept that I'm a steward. I accept that I have a responsibility to leave this place better better than I found it. But I think the, the epitome of human arrogance is to say, you know, I know what the temperature of the planet Earth is supposed to be. I know what the temperature of the planet Earth needs to be. 
and I know how to make sure we get that temperature uh, to the optimal place. That's that's the epitome of human arrogance, and I could say, you know, there's kind of a secular, spiritual connotation or component there. Those who believe in God, the Creator, would argue, who am I to believe that I know what the temperature of the planet Earth is supposed to be and what to do to get it there? I mean, there's not a thermostat, you know, that says, you set yours here, I'll set mine there. But there are those who believe that, and I respect those who believe that. And I didn't call you a nut. I called you a zealot because I don't want to call anybody a full-blown nut. Um, and then on the other, you've got, you know, folks who believe that government will do anything imaginable to maintain control over what we believe, what we think, how we operate, how we conduct, how we generate energy to provide, um, you know, the, the quality of life we become somewhat accustomed to. And that's kind of the yin and yang. Uh, I tend to be somewhere closer uh, to the middle. I'm, I'm not one of these guys that believe everything government's doing is designed to, to keep their thumb on me and control of me. I think government's guilty of that. I don't think there's any question that many people in government Welcome the opportunity, embrace the opportunity to control a larger and larger share of the population and more of how they conduct their lives. I think COVID was a, was a classic example of that. Do, do I believe minions sit in a, you know, in, a, uh, in a lounge somewhere and say, wonder if they do this, wonder if they do that? No, but, but I think there's a lot of um, orchestrated conversations and actions that lead um, them to better understand how willing you are um, to be controlled, but, but those would be kind of extreme considerations of each end of this spectrum. So let's go to energy because this is what I want to talk about for the next few moments. So, so we're told that to save the planet, we got to stop burning fossil fuel. Now, now it's not, you know, um, the, the drunk sitting on the street corner, with all respect to the drunk on the street corner, it's not the homeless guy in a homeless shelter. It's not the ill-informed. I mean, we've got actual powerful people in powerful positions within our government basically saying we're sure of this and here's what we've got to do to make sure that doesn't happen are they zealots probably not are they motivated by power and and money probably so um but but they're 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 not allowing the market forces to take um the course of normal market forces in other words Let's take the internal combustion engine. I mean, let's talk a bit about that. The internal combustion engine has been a reliable source of power um, that has advanced humanity in a positive way since its conception, uh, inception. Since the beginning of uh, the internal combustion engine, uh, Henry Ford didn't invent the internal combustion engine, but he did revolutionize the auto industry, um, made the automobile affordable, uh, the masses could buy, and, and that was a bad day for the blacksmith, but a good day for people who want to get from point A to point B in, in a reasonable amount of time. And, you know, the Wright brothers came along and aerodynamics and thrust and lift and all these other sorts of things that improved the, you know, the, um, the transportation or mobility of mankind to another uh, degree. That's the innovation of the private sector. I mean, that, that's the really and truly it's human capital meets an economy that allows them to reach their potential. I mean, that's always been the greatness of America as far as I'm concerned. When dreamers are allowed to dream, they act upon those dreams, and market forces allow them to monetarily gain from, from their actions, their dreams, their, their intellect, their understanding, their ambition, um, their inventions. 
So, so the internal combustion engine indisputably has made life better for mankind. I mean, there is no arguing that. And instead of a week-long buggy ride, it became a day-long drive. Um, except in some of the major American cities, it's, you know, a day-long commute from, you know, eight miles from work and back to work take you three hours. That's what you get for piling millions of people into these um societies <laughs> anyway um i digress all of a sudden somebody somewhere or a group of people i mean i've got a, an opinion who it is it's um it's the davos man and woman i mean it's the world economic forum it's the globalists it's those who gather every year in davos and decide kind of the construct of the economy and society and culture um okay we'll let people do this but we'll not let them um, do that. And I think energy has been a central theme of Davos for the last 10, 15, maybe even any, even 20 years. The inconvenient truth comes to mind with Al Gore. I think he won some kind of award because he was the vice president, nothing about energy. Next thing you know, he's an expert on climate change and, and knows what the transitioning of fossil fuel to, to renewable energy. I hesitate to say clean because there's no such thing as clean energy. We'll get there in just a second. Um, but, but, the, the, the proven reality is that the internal combustion engine has been good for mankind. I mean, nobody can dispute that. All of a sudden, yeah, but it's burned a lot of, it, it emits a lot of carbon. I mean, it consumes a lot of gas and oil. It emits a lot of carbon. It's made the planet nasty. Maybe that nastiness has, you know, distorted the climate. Um, maybe some of the oceans rising, some of the temperature measurements. Maybe it's a result of man burning too much fossil fuel. We got billions and billions and billions of people enjoying enjoy the benefit of the industrial revolution. Uh, maybe we need to do something about that. So, you know, uh, I, I, this is where money's the answer. And that was the question kind of applies. But somebody somewhere decided there's a way to create an ancillary conversation about energy sources and um, I mean, energy, uh, you know, energy is a lucrative, lucrative field. Exxon, Shell, Mobil, BP. I mean, these companies have made, I mean, they've made enormous profits uh, providing a, a great service, you know, energy to, to the economy. But all of a sudden, maybe at Davos, maybe not, but some of these, some of these uh, self-appointed masters of the universe decide um, that's not the way we need to power our economy any longer. We need to refigure. Um, this is bad for the planet. Um, zealots, and then you've got zealots, and now you've got people kind of not in the middle. They would be to the, um, I mean, to me, they're extreme, but to them, th they wouldn't be. And and they say, let's figure out a better way to transport people from point A to point B, not not the market driving that reality, um, but rather government order, government edict. And the government begins passing legislation that says to auto manufacturers, we'll use them as an example, to the uh, to the auto manufacturer, by the year 2035, you can't emit more than this much carbon. They don't say, by the year 2035, two of every three vehicles you sell must be electric vehicles, but the carbon emitted standard, the regulatory agencies, have basically done the math, and and that's where we end up. So, so forget, you know, raw particulates or, you know, um, my microtons of emittance. I mean, we're talking about two or three vehicles are going to have to be electric by the year 2035. 
well, unless, you know, another regime takes place and, and they begin, you know, uh, embracing fossil fuel. So, so, so you go down, uh, on, on one hand, you've got fossil fuel, which has been deemed, you know, dirty energy. I mean, it's nasty. It's dirty. It's, it, it emits carbon. You, you got all this drilling and all this refining and all this, this nastiness that goes along with us. And here's this clean alternative. Here's clean energy. I mean, how many times have you heard clean energy, clean, comma, renewable energy? Who wouldn't be for that? Well, I mean, put me in, coach. I want to be a part of that clean, renewable energy, except it's not clean nor renewable. So, so here's some of the story that I think the public deserves to hear. Um, and I would encourage, I mean, there are other podcasters out there that, um, that have larger audience, right? Joe Rogan has the largest audience of any. Rogan has a podcast out about cobalt mining, and um, the Congo and the Chinese government and the, you know, the child labor and the slave labor and um, how devastating it is to the planet, how inhumane, unethical, immoral it is to force people to work in some of these, some of these cobalt mines extracting the mineral necessary to build some of these electric vehicles uh, via the lithium, the lithium ion, ion battery and when you start telling that story, you create a necessary debate. So all of a sudden, you don't have dirty fossil fuel and clean renewable energy. Now you've got dirty fossil fuel and dirty renewable energy. So, so we've reshaped the debate. But that's the only way we can have a debate. If we're privileged to know the facts and the media doesn't um, kind of filter what is allowed to be presented, what's not allowed to be presented, what people are allowed to listen and hear and read and see, and, and what they are. And, and that's the point I'm trying to make here um, today. I'm not opposed to electric vehicles. I'm opposed to the body politic with the support of the media and academia convincing, brainwashing, indoctrinating the masses into believing that there is a clean alternative. There is no clean alternative to fossil fuel. Now, now go buy an electric vehicle. Go buy an internal combustion engine. Do what suits your fancy. At some point in time, the free market will allow those who build electric vehicles to figure it out to a point where it becomes a, a better choice. And that's the beauty of the private sector. That's what free markets do. But we're not allowing that in America. We're force-feeding the general public one ah, energy source over another and we're painting one energy source as all bad and the other is all good. And I think we need to better consider our alternatives and options when we decide what sort of car we're buying. Now, I want a full disclosure. Um, I'm not a NASCAR driver. I don't have sponsors. I mean, I don't have I do have sponsors. I just told you about them. I got Mickey Fins. I got Marbury Pity Electric. I got Carolina Bank. I got Pepsi of Florence. None insist or require me to, to kind of say things in a certain light. I'm not encouraging people to buy EVs. I'm not discouraging people to buy EVs. What I am saying is if you're driving an EV today and you believe you've made a moral, ethical, um, societally beneficial decision, you need to reconsider. I would argue and could very easily that by you driving that EV that requires a certain amount of cobalt, let's use cobalt as an example, 75% roughly of the cobalt mined in the world comes from the Congo. China has the rights to bring that cobalt to market. So we are 
I mean, we're kind of making a decision as the American consumer. When we buy an internal combustion engine and we don't like being beholden to the Middle East because we've decided as a nation we're not going to pursue energy independence as vigilantly as we did with a former president, and you kind of don't like that. In other words, when you pump gas in your car, you're going like, oh, damn. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sending so much of this money to the Middle East, and they don't much care for the way for the way I live. I'd love to have one of those electric vehicles where I could just plug it in, and the local power companies provide it. What you fail to understand and what you've not been told is that electric vehicle does not exist without magnesium and cobalt and nickel and aluminum, um, and those are mined. And if you look at the industrial pollutants, and there are many, many articles to confirm what I'm about to say. I mean, if you believe that, let's go back to that 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 liberal elite driving the the Tesla. I'm picking on Tesla for a second because they sell 60% of all the EVs sold in America today. If you're driving an EV and you believe you made a, a moral, ethical, good for the planet, good for society decision, you simply have not. Because the only way that EV is 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 able to go down the road and function as a mode of transportation is cobalt. And once again, slave labor in Congo delivers cobalt to China. China brings that cobalt to the marketplace. Tesla, Ford, GM, Toyota, BMW, Mercedes, whomever, buy that cobalt. And that cobalt becomes a central part of the lithium-ion battery that is required to, you know, um, propel that car down the road or that vehicle down the road um, for as long a range, as short a charge as you can possibly uh, possibly have. So you're probably making, and I know you don't want to hear this because you're, you know, wearing skinny jeans. And uh, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that alone. I want to be a partisan here. Don't want to be a partisan. Don't want to be a hack. Want to be fair-minded and uh, neutrally. Um, neutrally present this article. But but if you're driving, in closing, I'll say this. Good old boy driving an F-250 or a Chevrolet three-quarter ton pickup pulls up to a stoplight. Liberal coastal elite pulls beside that guy with a smugness in a Tesla. And he looks over at the good old boy driving the, te- excuse me, driving the Ford or, or Chevrolet three-quarter ton pickup, and he says, you Neanderthal you. Do you know how much damage you're doing to the planet? Do you not understand your obligation to future generations? If the good old boy was aware, he could roll his window down and and say to the liberal elite driver, the Tesla, by my driving this internal combustion engine-powered behemoth of sheet metal and, and, uh, and drivetrain, I'm making a more conscious decision in the name of morality, in the name of ethic, in the name of saving the planet, in the name of consumer decisions than you ever imagined. So, so I'm not suggesting for a second that, that I know what's best for you. You deserve a right in the good old American marketplace to decide whether your next auto purchase is going to be that of an EV or that of an internal combustion engine. I do think you deserve to be equipped with the facts. And the facts are the the oil and gas extraction business generates about 7% of all industrial pollutants. The mining industry that is so essential to the electric vehicle contributed about 36% 
of all industrial pollutants that the zealots say will make the earth uninhabitable in the next three, four, five years. Just understand that, you know, the, the American, the brilliance of the American entrepreneur is to provide consumer choices. And when the government intervenes in the affairs of the consumer and the, um, the producer, you get skewed marketplaces, distorted, manipulated, um, not so good for humanity marketplaces. And the people that are trying to drive the consumer away from the internal combustion engine toward the EV are not only doing the consumer a great disservice, today as we speak, they're doing the planet a great disservice. 